Subscribe to The Spectator this Christmas and get the next 12 weeks of print and online access as well as a bottle of Paul Roger champagne, all for just £12. This offer is available in the UK only. Go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash Santa to subscribe. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, The Spectator's politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Bowles and James Hill, our diary editor. So, Katie, today we are seeing ambulance strikes and people are being advised not to do anything too risky. I'm cycling home after this, so I'm a bit nervous. But where is the government with that? I mean, clearly they haven't managed to prevent the strikes from happening. Yeah, this has been the strike that inside government and inside Downing Street they've been the most worried about, just in terms of the practical ramifications the severity of ambulance stuff going on strike whereas I think when you look at some of these other strikes there are political problems around them and also of course technical ones but this is by far the one where there are big concerns and we've seen that in some of the wording coming from NHS figures but also the government over the past 24 hours that this could have an effect in terms of loss of life because of the strike action it has not managed to be avoided you do have a situation where in terms of the most serious conditions so if you had a cardiac arrest you would still be able to get an ambulance um, that is what they've said at least mm. but otherwise you're looking at you know the army stepping in and so in terms of some uh, you know driving of ambulances but that is not a, a like for like because they can't do lots of the things that a trained ambulance driver can do so it's not a, a direct replacement and then also suggestions that you know depending on the problem is you should get someone else to drive you what about using a cab so I think it's a very nervous day in Whitehall just in terms in of in case something happens yeah and you can see it from the government messaging which was effectively yeah I think you had Will Quince and health minister saying but like, just don't do anything <laughs> that the, the government message is, is don't do anything the fact that me <laughs> and you Cindy are in this office and that you said you're going to cycle is probably too much. And you can also see like this like mockery of this message in the various front pages today. So I think, you know, there's a few saying, you know, don't drink, don't like cycle, don't walk, don't run. And ultimately telling people to reduce their risk. Mm. Now, as, as much as we are joking about that, of course there is a, a serious point, which is today is not the day to, to have your most risky adventure. But as we all know, lots of the things that are going to put you in hospital, uh, not things of your own intention or, mm. or, or making. And then I think that's why we're also seeing a blame game whereby you have some, you know, one union figure saying if there are deaths today, that would be on the government, that would be the government's fault. And then you also have Steve Barkley, the health secretary, this is on the front of the Telegraph, at least saying, you know, unions are the ones that are being really irresponsible in terms of its lives. Now, there is no sign of resolution because the government does not want to move on pay. And we've also mm. seen Rishi double down on that this week. So it, it feels as though we are heading into stalemate. And I think the question right now is, where does public opinion go? And does anything happen today, which makes the severity feel as though it is just an untenable situation and someone is going to have to blink? Mm. And James... Rishi Sunak is not having an easy ride into Christmas. Things don't seem to be winding down for him because not only does he have these strikes to deal with, um, yesterday he also had the liaison committee where he was grilled on all sorts of things. Can you tell us about what happened there? Sure. Well, I think he went in with the express commitment of uh, trying to avoid creating any news lines whatsoever. And it's remarkable to have a 90-minute session with the Prime Minister against some of his fiercest critics in which he basically uh, tries to be as dull and safe as possible. 
I wrote in the blog for The Spectator that nothing has changed was the motto of Theresa May's 2017 unofficial uh, election. It basically could have been stamped on his forehead yesterday. He basically was trying to hold the line on the union, hold the line on the strikes and try to give the impression partly of... Um, of gratitude towards the NHS and strike quite a moyant tone, but also trying to effectively project his authority. And you saw that in the way he was talking, the way in which he positioned himself, and just the way in which he tried to impress upon the, the people there in the committee and the wide public audience that the government had a good grip on all of this. And I have to say, to be honest, it was such a stark contrast with the last liaison committee, which was six months ago, and that glorious final appearance of Boris Johnson before hours before he was forced out of Downing Street, um, that everything felt rather muted by comparison. Um, but again, it was lots of grim news. And I think, I suppose the main news line from that was that he refused to rule out fuel duty going up by 15p in the Chancellor's uh, next budget in the spring. And Katie, something else that came up was the Rwanda policy. What do the Prime Ministers have to say about that? So Rishi Sina was quizzed on when the Rwanda policy might actually achieve what it set out to achieve back when it was set out in the spring, given not one flight has managed to take off. And you also, on Monday, of course, had the High Court ruling that the scheme is lawful. Now, in many ways, that was significant for the government. I think when Rishi Sunak spoke to the spectator, I put to him, do you accept this scheme is just not working he said we'll wait for this judgment now the judgment isn't a complete win for the government for two reasons first off in the judgment they said that the eight individuals who uh, were asylum seekers who came across in small boats who were meant to be on the plane their cases had to be reviewed at a later date um, they said that the then home secretary Priti Patel of course it's now Suella Braveman had not taken into account enough their individual circumstances and I think that points to how Yes, in theory, these planes and the scheme itself is lawful, but Mm. the actual business of working out who can go on that plane, how that works for their individual human rights and circumstances is more complex still. And then you also have the fact that there is an expectation in government that at least be an attempt at an appeal of this judgment. Mm. So you have to see where that goes and how far that runs. But what the ruling did, I think, was at least just inject a bit of life in the scheme. And I think had the ruling gone against it, saying it's unlawful, I think it would have felt quite dead in the water, given how little progress there has been since. So Rishi Sunak was asked, well, when are these going to take place? What's the plan? He would not set any figures, any dates in terms of this. And that's in keeping with uh, a briefing you had from Number 10 after the ruling, where Number 10 would not even suggest that there would be a flight taking off before the next election. Given our working assumptions, the next election is going to be in 2024. That's quite a long time away. I think what we do know is that the government... um, but I'm not sure if Rishi Sunak ever did see it, because the government no longer see the Rwanda scheme as the main thrust of um, how they're going to tackle illegal immigration. But it is still seen as an important thing. And I think despite all the negative mood music, there is a hope in Downing Street that actually they can get some flights going sooner rather than later Mm. next year. But one of the things that Rishi Sunak grew quite frustrated with under Boris Johnson was this idea of, you know, over-promising and not actually uh, managing to do those things. And that was particularly the case of Rwanda scheme, where as Chancellor, he was quite frustrated that announced something which wasn't complete and they weren't really sure if it was going to be able to work. So it was more just to make a point. And I think that's why there is lots of work going on behind the scenes. Obviously, the five-point plan they did earlier this month, that's 
intended to make it easier to get these flights going as well as some other you know parts of this but you're not going to hear Rishi Sunak setting any targets on it and because they don't really want to make you know a rod to uh, for their own back if I could just make a two uh, two quick points I think Katie's right to talk about expectation management I thought it was really interesting the public polling on this shows that a majority of voters support the Rwanda scheme but also a majority of voters don't think it'll actually go ahead. And I thought that was really telling in terms of where the public are actually realistic on this and in terms of the expectations that the government can set. And the other point I'd make is just um, a minor judicial one, is that it's interesting to see the High Court upholding the government's view on this and moving away from the kind of judicial activism that perhaps we saw more associated with the Hale Court of the uh, Brexit years in 2016 to 2019. So uh, that's something perhaps to bear in mind when it comes to these legal judgments, given how many of these political decisions seem to now end up in the courts. And you also seeing a situation whereby there are lots of figures, and particularly on the Labour side, saying, well, it doesn't even matter, this ruling, because the scheme still doesn't work, it still costs loads of money, and they're not actually going to be able to use it, because were you to get a couple of flights up off the ground, that's not going to dent the sheer number that have come across small boat crossings, which is why I don't think it is a silver bullet, and actually I think it was some scepticism in lots of parts it would ever be there. But I think within Downing Street it's still seen as an important moment in terms of a symbolic moment mm. if you can make the scheme, you know, even just to get one flight going, um, cite for the reasons James just set out to show that all these people who told you, oh, this is impossible, you can start to depict it because there's not much at the moment for the Tories to really go at Labour on where... I mean, there are things, but when you look at Prime Minister's questions, I think Tory MPs feel quite down and out in the sense that they feel like they're on the back foot. I mean, they are on the back foot, look at the polls. And um, there is a desire to get back into a situation where you are having some fights with Labour and putting Keir Starman's party on the back foot. And despite the fact that all the polling right now suggests that immigration and Labour are ahead on, it is something where Labour have been uncomfortable in the past. So I think if they could start to you know, have a few achievements to point to, I think that it's one of those areas where Tory MPs think you could really start to push Labour and say, well, what is your policy? You just said this wouldn't work. And that's why it's quite important, even if it is just you know a small part of the strategy, it would be seen as a bigger one than it would be in a material way. Yeah, just a quick point. I thought it was quite funny that there was a quiet news story that uh, Keir Starmer I think in recent weeks stepped down as a patron of a refugees charity and the charity said that they were how disappointed they were with him. And I think that shows perhaps how uh, the view of people of Starmer and the soft left has changed on this issue. And it's quite a difficult one for them, which is how can you be pro-migrant, but also talking tough on migration? James and Katie, thanks very much. And thank you very much for listening and have a happy Christmas.